Welcome back to the Quiet Onset Podcast. I'm Ewan Graf and I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. How are you doing, my friend? I accidentally closed Discord so I couldn't stare at you. Hello, I'm good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. We are back to standing on both of our feet right now, which is exciting, you know, to have a sit-standing desk yep. to record a podcast. I loved the last episode. We were kind of teasing that, you know, episode 69 and might go downhill from now on. I hope it won't. We got a smaller episode this week. And just a, a question that I had <laughs> loosely connected to one of our stories later on, Lachlan, if you could choose one movie studio to produce your movie, which one would you choose? Any movie studio? Any of them? Yeah, yeah, you got you got literally any uh, of them. Uh, you could work with the Lumiere brothers as well if you really wanted to. I'd probably pick A24, honestly. That is, yeah, actually, That's a good great answer. choice. No, that is that is such a... I, I thought of the big ones, and I was like, yeah, Warner Brothers is kind of known for interfering with you know, the creative side a lot, and Lionsgate is just kind of hopping on trends, trying to, like, hold on for life, but... You just went with the one that I will probably go with as well, just because, you know, they they support a creative vision of their filmmakers a lot. So yeah, I mean, they do They even distribute their own uh, movies, which is, you know, great for an indie studio to have the capability to do, even do that. We got a lot of stuff coming up in the show. We got trader discussions for Hawkeye, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, The Humans and Needle in a Time Stack. We'll talk about Chris Nolan's new film and his breakup with Warner Brothers. Addison Ray's multi-picture deal with Netflix and announced the winners of the Toronto Film Festival. Yes, we'll be the one announcing it. They're not out yet. It's a premiere here on the podcast, okay? Yep. And <laughs> uh, we also got a Rolled It Again review of Scorsese's Taxi Driver and Clint Eastwood's new movie Cry Macho later in the show. But before we get into the main part of the show, don't forget to drop those five-star reviews over over on Apple Podcast. It helps us out a lot. And uh, yeah, it gets the show out there. Maybe even consider recommending the show to a friend. Yeah, let's get into the news, Lachlan. All right. <laughs> new week, new Marvel trailer. And we are looking at Hawkeye, the mm. new series, the eight-episode series that will premiere November 24th on Disney+. Plus. Lachlan, from your first impression, is this more of a skippable MCU show or a must-watch? Uh, that's a hard question, actually. I will say that it's not skippable. I would say it's probably going to add a, a nice, well-rounded character arc to Hawkeye. That's right. probably missing. Uh, at the same time, though, it was a weird vibe that that trailer was given off, yeah. wasn't it? Like a weird Hallow like no Halloween Christmas movie, Die Hard kind of vibe. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Kelly isn't here to fight that statement. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You've heard it officially on the podcast. It has that Die Hard vibe of just like trying to get back to your family, maybe. Not yep. directly that they are in danger, like him saving his wife in a big old tower, <laughs> like in Die Hard, but more of like, okay, I have my family life. This is my off time. Oh no, now shit is happening in my city and I got to deal with it. I don't want to. Hey, there's a new up and coming superhero and you're kind of old. I'm replacing you. It's like there's a lot of cliches in this trailer and I don't think that Marvel is going to have a new spin on a lot of them. I think it's just going to be a like done by the books kind of take on a Christmas action comedy series. I think that's what we're getting. Buddy cop film. That as well. There's, there's so many genres that you can splice it's in. It's a buddy cop diehard Christmas movie. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, speaking of diehard, do you think Hawkeye will die at the end of this season? I think he won't die hard, but I think he will die. Okay. Well, season two, exclusively on Pornhub. And they'll die hard. Mm -hmm. Continues. And oh. the afterlife. Yep. Got a good old sequel. I mean, they got to branch out, you know. Mm. Some of us have grown out of our uh, we're teenagers and we're into the MCU. You know, you got to make some adult content. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, what do you think of Haley Steinfeld being a kind of new edition of maybe part of the new Avengers? I'm, uh, I'm excited. She seems to be quite fun. I'm quite excited about that. Uh, especially see her rendition on in the MCU. Um, what's kind of annoying me right now is you spelt Kate Bishop with a C. It's actually a K. It is a K. In the show notes. For all those people checking our show notes on Patreon. I'm sorry about that typo. Lachlan corrected it, thankfully. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see the Avengers musical. <laughs> Dude, me as well. I, I, that was the only time I ever stopped a Marvel trailer to spot like more details. Like this is these channels that just 
that's the whole thing that they do trailer analysis and i was trying to see uh how many of the characters are under and it's a lot of them i don't know what they would be renditioning what the performance would be but i i can't wait if it's <laughs> did you see that among us uh musical no i didn't <laughs> that came on <laughs> it was like a, it was like a rewind for 2020 and it was like an among us musical and it had a bunch oh, of content creators and like not actual content creators it was like some BuzzFeed thing. Not BuzzFeed, I think, was involved, but it was just some BuzzFeed thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, let's move on to a musical. Uh, we've been talking about those more than, you know, we usually do on a yearly basis. Not on a yearly basis, but like, usually there's not that many musicals that are worth talking about. And uh, we're about to get like Dear Evan Hansen, we had Annette, and... Uh, later in December, we are getting West Side Story from Spielberg. So, Lachlan, is this anything you are interested in after the high that you have from Annette? Some more traditional take on a musical? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm kind of excited for it. The trailer was quite cool. It seems to be maybe Spielberg back on his A-game, possibly less visual heavy stuff and I guess a bit more of a character study musical. Yeah. Because obviously uh, Ready Player One was such an in-depth character study. <laughs> Into the Iron Giant, of course. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited to see where he takes this. And it, it does look like to be one of those like traditional musical film uh, adaptations. Oh, yeah, with, with like grand um, performances in the sense of like... Big old scale. Big music on... Yeah, big scale, big music numbers. And I think Spielberg is a master at matching character with scale, uh, the way that he uses his camera to be really dynamic, uh, but still have like... Uh, at its core the character's motivation at, at heart if that makes sense i don't know if the west side story lends itself to a, a deeper character study because it's like it's not that deep <laughs> it's it's basically romeo and juliet but just modern mm. uh, that's basically what it is but I, i'm still keen for it uh i think it's one of the weaker musicals when it comes to the music maybe that's a hard take but <laughs> i'm not a big fan of of all the musical numbers yeah i'm still keen to see it i think it's it's gonna be worth the spectacle at least and uh yeah it, it looks really clean i'd say um and well polished let's get to something that looked amazing if Callie were here she would say the visuals <laughs> and fucking hell oh my god Lachlan, the first trailer of nightmare alley from Guillermo del Toro, what did you think? Uh, it looks awesome. looks really, really cool. An ambitious young carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. That is the synopsis for Nightmare Alley with Bradley Cooper, Cate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins. It's an adaptation of the novel from 19... Uh, 46. That's an old book. <laughs> and yeah, it looked super intriguing. It had a lot of like interesting stylistic choices. Just visually, I think this is an easy lock for a cinematography nomination at the Oscars already. It, it looks amazing. And um, yeah, I'm super keen for it. And I think the trailer also does a good job of not giving too much away of the story. It's mm. just hinted at this like this monster, but I never read the original novel. So I have no clue where it's leading, but it, it yeah, it got me super intrigued for it. Look, it's a like Guillermo Toro, del Toro movie, so I'm expecting a monster at some point. <laughs> yes. But I hopefully think no one will should... fuck the monster. Or maybe uh, if Bradley Cooper's the Jesus. monster, actually, I would, I would be down. I was going to say the cast for this thing: you've got Kate Blanchett, Bradley Cooper, as you said, you've got Willem mm -hmm. Dafoe, you've got uh, Ron Perlman's in it. Yeah. Uh, who else was in this? Uh, was it? Did I say Tony Collette? Yeah, Tony Collette was also in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sick. Yeah, there's a massive cast in this film. Uh, so I am. Really looking forward to this movie because obviously the last thing that Guillermo del Toro did was uh, Shape of Water, yep. and uh, man, I really enjoyed that movie as well. So I'm I'm very keen to see this. I'm looking forward to it as well. Actually, we got back to back Richard Jenkins in our next trailer that we're looking at. Also joined in the cast by Stephen Yoon, uh, Beanie Feldstein, and Amy Schumer. <laughs> it's an A24 production based on a Tony-winning stage play, and it's called The Humans. Set inside a pre-war du duplex in downtown Manhattan, The Humans follows the course of an evening in which the Blake family gathers to celebrate Thanksgiving. As darkness falls outside the crumbling building, mysterious things start to bump in the night, and family tensions reach a boiling point. This 
I gotta say, <laughs> it's right up my alley. Not the nightmare alley, but actually like just the cinematic, this is what you want to enjoy is alley. So I'm keen for this. Lachlan, what did you think? I'm on board with you, man. Uh, I'm very excited as well. A nice little character piece, really. Yeah. Uh, that's what this is. And um, you said it was a uh, Tony nominated oh. and A24. Yeah, dude. Yeah. On board. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a, a, a stage play and the director of that play is also directing the movie, uh, much like, I guess, The Father, like last year, right? Oh, Wicked. And it's got a killer cast. And it's got a phenomenal cast, yeah. And it, it premiered at TIFF, and from what I've heard is that it doesn't have, like, you already got got that from the trailer, I assume, but uh, so it's, it's like, not shot in a way that uh, to get coverage. It is, like, really, I think, already planned out that he wants to get a shot from further away. I've heard that there's not a lot of close-ups in it. So a lot of, okay. like, the big character moments are just like from us really peering in from further away. So I'm keen to see if that works for the overall narrative that they're going with. But man, this this bumped up a bunch of spots on my most anticipated list <laughs> after seeing this trailer. Even though Amy Schumer is in it, and I, I can't stand Amy, Amy Schumer, but she, <laughs> she seems like pretty good in this, actually. So yeah, The Humans comes out on November uh, 24th in cinemas in the US. And then our last trailer... A devoted husband will stop at nothing to save his marriage when it's destroyed by a time-traveling rival. <laughs> okay, the only reason we talked about this is because Leslie Odom Jr. is in this, and I am the biggest simp for him. <laughs> so I just really wanted to look at him for a bit. And uh, we also got Cynthia Erivo and Orlando Bloom. And Frida Pinto, I think is her name. <laughs> Not even talking about the movie itself. Uh, what would what would you do first if you had the possibility to time travel? Uh, that's a hard question because I've never thought about it. I've always thought about going forward in time, right? To see where I'd where I'd end up. I think that's healthier <laughs> than the other way around. And then I realize I'd be disappointed. So right, yeah. Life. So if I go back, I'm still going to be disappointed. So either way, it's a disappointment. <laughs> well, in the present, you're also disappointed, so it really doesn't uh, yeah, matter. Yeah, it's, it's all just disappointment it's just all depression. way forward, backwards. <laughs> God. It really doesn't matter. Life sucks. Uh, anyway, what, what were we talking about? I could go back in time. Mm -hmm. I'd um, stop myself from watching the uh, Suicide Squad. The first one? The first one. Right. Only to enjoy the second one. And and, and Fantastic Four in cinemas. Fantastic I'd, Four I'd, I'd save myself. The, oh, which the money, one? right? Yeah, you know, the, the the live action one that came came out a couple of years back. The the re the re reboot. The, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I'd stop myself from watching that. <laughs> so basically, your admission to to it, to cinema. It basically just be me would save going a bunch back of money. in time to save myself for saving money. Yeah, I'd save myself some more money. <laughs> like shit cheap. that I wasted my money on. <laughs> I assume you'd be the one um, having the time machine because I think as soon as uh, like only you. Because as soon as other people are involved, I think it gets super messy, uh, as seen by this. It's like the entirety of society have access to time travel, or it's like it's like some service uh -huh. that they have. So that's weird. I, I I just now realized that I it's haven't even like said the title service. of the movie. <laughs> it's needle in a time stack, but yeah, I'm so glad you haven't said it yet because I hate the name. Of the I hate the name of this movie. It's, it's so a, bad. Yeah, it's so bad. Needle in the time stack. I hate it. Can what does that please? even mean? They need to change the name of this movie because it sucks. It would be better if he's like a drug addict and then he would call it needle in a time stack. I think that would be more appropriate. It's like a heroin addict trying to quit before he like starts becoming an addict. Yeah. You know? Smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Minus T1 train spotting. <laughs> I was going to say it's like looper train spotting. <laughs> Minus T1. I think they should do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, that movie comes out on October 15th and uh, we... Can't wait to talk about it so we can talk about time travel some more. But let's move on to this week's stories. And luckily, I wanted to talk about this with you. Uh, maybe you've seen Chris Nolan uh, broke up, uh, sadly. Or not, mm. I don't know. Maybe not sadly. I've, it's time to move on. You know, it was a long time coming. Yeah, it's time to move yep. on. Yeah, he broke up with Warner Brothers, uh, the bros. Mm -hmm. <laughs> bros before no loans, Nolans. He's, uh, yeah, moved on to uh, Universal. Mm -hmm. and he struck a deal with them and, and that deal had a bunch of conditions and uh, part of those conditions were that he has total creative control he gets 20% of first dollar gross which basically means you get money as soon as the movie premieres in cinema so you don't have to wait until this, the studio breaks even on the movie so even if it doesn't make them money you still get your money a blackout period for the studio where they don't get to release a movie three weeks before or after his movie comes out a budget of 
around 200 million and 200 million for promotion. Oh, wow. Jesus. And possibly a 100-day theatrical window, which I think was ultimately what led to the deal with Universal because they are pretty much the only one who doesn't have like a streaming service backing them up because like Apple was also interested, Paramount was interested, but they have Apple TV Plus and Paramount has uh, Peacock. <laughs> imagine, imagine the latest like Nolan movie is just like, oh yeah, a Peacock exclusive. Like no one would even know uh. what, no one knows what Peacock is. Like no one knows that. So that would have been funny, but uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of all this? I mean, it's just obviously his demands and they've reached a deal so obviously there's stuff that we don't get to see that's universal getting a win don't know what it's going to be because this all sounds pretty fucking good for christopher nolan i mean i totally take 20 percent of first dollar gross no matter what christopher nolan film it is because they're all pretty fucking successful yeah in saying that though one thing i want to uh step on really quickly or talk about uh have you heard about him talking about making a movie on the A-bomb? Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. If that's going to be the next film. Well, I don't know what the A-bomb is, but I've heard that he, he's doing that. But The I'm atomic not. bomb, like a nuclear bomb. Oh, the A-bomb. Why, why don't you just call it the atomic bomb? I mean, if you if you call it the H-bomb for, for like... Because A-bomb sounds cooler. Okay, I guess. Hydrogen I guess. bomb? Sure. Yeah, hydrogen bomb. It, it's like longer. Adam is literally like one syllable. Yeah. That's so silly. Yeah, I mean, he's not Tarantino, so he won't probably change history, but... Maybe he'll bend time <laughs> with it. You Actually know, they... drop a nuclear bomb. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's more financially sustainable. <laughs> Yeah, actually dropped the nuclear bomb. Oh no, sorry. Gotta do another take. <laughs> that would be quite something if they end up... T- actually, look, that's not out of the realm of possibility for Christopher Nolan, you know? Maybe he's gone off the deep end. He's a miniature. He's like, we looked at doing a miniature. We looked at actually, you know... I can't really actually crash a fucking plane. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I guess it didn't, like, crash it to the ground. It was already on the ground. It was just, like, driving. True. Yeah, did they crash? Did did technically crash a plane? But when I heard that, I thought it was going to, like, fall down and actually, like, really mm. crash. Look, it's not the first. It wouldn't be the first nuclear bomb that goes off in cinematic history because, obviously, um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, that was all done practically. Like, they actually put uh, Harrison Ford in the fridge <laughs> yeah, the and fridge. dropped the bomb. And, yeah, that was all done practically. That was the sickest commercial for that fridge ever. Like, you never mm-hmm. get better promotion. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah. He's in a special position that I don't know if there's any other filmmaker that would be able to make those demands and they would actually agree, you know? Not because mm. there's not more renowned filmmakers like Scorsese who gets like 160 million to make his movie with Netflix, but I think they are thinking long term and it's probably feasible for them uh, to have his lineup. I think that they must also be thinking about Peacock, <laughs> just because that's probably where the movie's going to end up first as well. Uh, wait, no, Universal doesn't have... No, <laughs> for a second I thought the Paramount had it. No, Universal. I don't know. Uh, Universal does have the big banks still. It's it's one of the few remaining um, uh, big studios that kind of can't stand on its own without having a big superhero property. Uh, or being like a huge uh, streaming success. So, uh, you know, it's one of the few remaining. So I guess they got to cling on to a person who really, you know, supports the cinematic experience over streaming. Um, So it is kind of a natural fit uh, with Chris Nolan. But let's talk about Disney. (laughs) And Disney is going back to all theatrical releases for the rest of 2021. Um, There's nothing to discuss here. Just, I guess, you know, no Disney Plus premium thing anymore. I guess that's done for now. In other uh, streaming release news, I guess uh, we got Halloween Kills, which will get a day and date release on Peacock, uh, but only on the premium tiers. Apparently, there's different tiers. There's tiers. Uh, there's tiers. There's I don't know. Tiers, yeah. I mean, there's tiers on Netflix as well, but it's usually not for the content. It's more for the quality and the amount of users. But other streaming services are still like incorporating an older system of like ads and stuff, but it will be available on streaming. And then <laughs> let's get to another another streaming service, Netflix. We're going through them all uh, today. And they struck a deal with Addison Ray, a multi-picture deal uh, variety reports for uh, a bunch of movies, I guess. It's a multi-picture deal. That's what that means. <laughs> because uh, I guess it was a huge success. Uh, He's All That premiered like at number one in 78 different countries, which is really impressive. I didn't even know that almost 80 countries have Netflix. Lachlan, what do you think? How much did you get? I'm just Googling who Addison Rae is. Hang on. <laughs> what? You must know who she is. You must have seen her before. Um, She's like one of the top three 
biggest TikTokers. Yeah, I don't know who she is. Oh my, my God. You're so out of the loop. He's asking his girlfriend who Addison Rae is. I, she knows. See? Okay, Lachlan's just uncultured. Wait, I heard something about the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, apparently she wore a dress that the Kardashians wore and she didn't wear it properly. I don't know. <laughs> something like that. It's something about the Met Gala that she wasn't invited to. Oh, right. Well, I guess I didn't know about the Met Gala thing. Oh. Yeah, she's not a celebrity. Right, okay. Um, so what was the question you asked, Ewan? I now know who she is and I, uh, I can make an educated guess. Well, okay, you do, but you don't know, I guess, how big she is on TikTok. But uh, yeah, how, oh, how much I mean, do you I think she I, got? I can take a guess. Uh, in terms of money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for funsies. Uh, 10 million? I feel like it's way higher. It's like, oh, you okay. remember Ninja, uh, the, the, the Fortnite uh, streamer yeah, who... I'm not, did, I'm like, not stuff totally with, out of okay. it. <laughs> okay, it wasn't true because Christ. you don't know who Edison Ray is. <laughs> but he went to Mixer. I used Twitch. And, <laughs> and he, he struck that deal with Mixer uh, for 40 million. Mixer ended up shutting down, so he got the 40 million just after a year, which like, is fucking crazy. It's not so bad, much money. not bad. For like, yeah, they just still had to pay him. But yeah, that, that was that deal. And he was really big. And streaming, obviously, like, you can sell a lot, like, right away with someone who, uh, with people continuously watching. But for a multi-picture deal, I think she's at least around there, if not higher, like around 50 million. Oh, I yeah. thought. But I, I've, I, uh, that's just my guess, uh, which is guessing here. But I feel like she also probably brought in a bunch of new subscribers as well. I'm just going to download TikTok and see what she actually does. Probably just dances. I, I'm just aware of her. I don't watch her content because like on, YouTube, uh, on TikTok, you can't really watch a lot of content. It's just oh. like passively uh, scrolling through nothing well i don't actually have tiktok so i have to download it oh right well the first account that you got to follow is our tiktok <laughs> a quick shout out to the quiet unsaid podcast tiktok for our clips but yeah I, I think this is kind of unprecedented because we do get to see someone who's from a social media space uh cross over into the movie sphere but not just as like a side character or to draw some people to see like a bigger movie like they did with free guy for example she, because she's the lead and she's possibly going to be the lead in these, these other movies as well. So you think there's going to be a trend that we see that happening more where people with no experience uh, enter? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. money. Because, <laughs> uh, right, yeah, money. We've already seen it done with music a lot that uh, these creators branch over into making music. Another creator, Bella Porch, I guess, is pretty big on mm. having her two debut singles uh, out that way. Someone else was big on TikTok. They got their own reality TV show and yeah, uh, money, <laughs> I guess, is what uh, drives it all uh, at the end of the day. Um, but let's move on to our TIFF wrap up. I just want to quickly go over um, the winners of the festival. And uh, the biggest winner would probably be Belfast, who won the People's Choice Award, a movie that you are quite looking forward to, Lachlan, right? Yes, I am very excited for it. You know, People's Choice means a lot of people <laughs> enjoyed it. You know, it's not like some elite critic thing chose the most artistically interesting thing, but it's just like the people. And uh, that I think solidifies it as a probable front runner for for the Oscars and just a general like interest from the public to see this movie. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to it. And then Benedict Cumberbatch uh, got a actor award for The Power of the Dog and Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And uh, Denis Villeneuve got the Tiff Ebert Director Award for Dune, <laughs> which is exciting. As someone who has seen Dune, I think he totally deserves that. <laughs> Just wanted to quickly flex that I've seen Dune already. And uh, mm -hmm. if, yeah, if, you, you. if you missed it <laughs> last week, I did a quick review for it. And then a quick shout out to what's coming up. We are doing a fall festival season recap with the Oscar expert Brother Bro and uh, first time guest Zachary Shevich from the Intercut Pod um, in mid-October. Uh, for a bunch of festivals, for TIFF, for New York, for London, and Z the biggest of them all, Zurich. <laughs> That's the one that I'm going to. But uh, yeah, we'll have that coming up in October. So uh, we're really looking forward to that. So uh, consider following, I guess, the podcast to not miss that. And then what are this week's new releases? We got Dear Evan Hansen, the musical-turned-movie premieres in cinemas this Friday. We also got <laughs> My Little Pony, a new generation over on Netflix, Lachlan, I know you've been looking forward to this one a lot so mm -hmm. uh, yeah very yeah. much so we should watch party you know <laughs> appropriate for a drunk cast yes we should <laughs> but yeah for the little ones and then um another netflix production the starling uh, which from what i've seen so far got terrible uh reviews it's it's with with melissa mccarthy she's not doing the movie with her husband bell Fal falcone on this one but 
people still hated it. It follows the latest trend over on Netflix where people grieve uh, with some kind of animal companion. Um, last year, I saw a movie called Penguin Bloom or Gloom, no, Bloom, I think it was, with Naomi Watts <laughs> that also did that with a magpie. This time it's a starling. <laughs> I don't know what Netflix is trying to say with having these stories about birds and grief, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll check it out for you guys uh, for next week's show. Let's get to the second episode of our new segment. Um, we haven't come up with a better title, so we'll just uh, stick with Callie's Bootleg Movie Corner. I think that's <laughs> at least what it will be ca called for the next few weeks. And... Um, yeah, Lachlan, uh, let's just get into it. Good evening. Um, it is I, Callie, coming to you from my dorm room after getting drunk in the dorm in Dublin. Right, drunk Callie. Mm -hmm. I've been having a nice evening. have another one of the movies for you to guess. I hope you're ready. I just thought of this right now. Okay, right. here we go. So, this movie is about two guys. guys. They're very yeah. competitive. And they do, like, fancy stuff. They also have, like, electricity. I know what it is. <laughs> a lot of, like, crazy stuff going on, like stunts and everything. I don't know if they're stunts, actually. She's not really giving us much yet. Anyways, those two are, like, super competitive. And then by the end of it, one of them ends up in jail. Yeah, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it I'm is. I'm done. Uh, we've talked about... Uh, I don't, I don't want to give it away. I think. <laughs> and then it's, like, we find out that one of the guys is actually two guys. Is that it? I don't even remember what the movie is about. I've seen it, but I don't even remember it. <laughs> She's so shit at this. It's perfect. <laughs> it has a fricked up ending. It is by a very famous director. Yeah. One of the okay. most. Okay, now it's solidified. Yep. We talked about him before. Or the most highest rated director. I hope you have a guess by now. Ready? Can you say it together? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to count, count, count us down? Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. The, the prestige. prestige. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. A hey, two point for us, I think. All right, let's hear it if we got it right. <laughs> Somehow there's another movie that fits that description. I don't know what year, but it is The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. Hey. Yay. If you got that, congratulations. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, thank you, Kelly, for that. <laughs> I think that was a pretty easy one. I mean, we literally talked about him like 10 minutes ago as well mm. which i don't think i don't think that helped because it's like as soon as she said super competitive my first w was like some rom-com that she's trying to describe yeah and then she said electricity it was like oh obviously i immediately thought stepbrothers yeah me uh, no i didn't think stepbrothers i thought that movie where oh it's they're so replaceable because it's a rom-com and ah uh, there's no characters in it at all but it's like these guys both work as like agents or they work at the same firm or whatever and they're into the same girl and they're usually like, I don't know, I can't, I don't know, it's not called the Try Guys, it's, I think, something else. The other guys? The other guys, that's what I, what I, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's probably got to, I would have failed because if it were that movie, because I wouldn't have come up with the right title. But yeah, The Prestige, actually, I guess from Nolan's filmography, we are agreeing on this. I think that it, it is a bit underrated, right? It's one of the better ones that Nolan has made. But yeah, that was a fun one. Uh bit of gratification for the both of us we got it right and uh, we're looking forward to to next week's Callie's bootleg movie corner <laughs> i think she's gonna increasingly become more drunk as as these go on so <laughs> it's gonna get hectic uh but luckily let's move on to what we've been watching Lachlan, what have you been watching or do i'd rather say playing nothing because i own a ps5 so I have been playing video games. <laughs> I am a gamer. <laughs> I played the shit out of Ghost of Tsushima. Right. Uh, I finished it. You did finish yeah. it? Yeah. The expansion? How was it? Tell us. So it was It was great. I completed Ghost of Tsushima, the base game, on PS4 with an asterisk. I got up to the final boss battle and I, and I basically stopped playing it. For some reason, I just, I just didn't play it for months. Right. And then I jumped back into it. And because I played originally on, on, on hard difficulty... I was being destroyed in the boss battle because I forgot how the controls work. I'm right. Like, All right, cool. Um, and then coincidentally, uh, a couple weeks later, I got a PS5, and I, I never, I never beat the boss battle. Essentially, I just gave up. And then right. coincidentally, I got a PS5, and I saw there was an upgrade, so I upgraded to the PS5 version, and I restarted the entire game 
and did the expansion. So over the course of like two weeks, I basically played through the entire game. Damn. I kind of want to platinum wow. it now that I'm that I'm doing that. Expansion was fun. Bit, I, I, this time I played it on lethal, the really hard difficulty, completed it. Really enjoyed it. Good fun. Good shit. That's what I did. Yeah, so you replayed the entire game, which is crazy. Just, does it look considerably better on PS5? Does it play better as well? I would say, I'd say it looks great on both consoles but yeah, yeah. the controller is where it's at like the controller right. is totally worth the ps5's price oh, okay. no I, I i i had fun i enjoyed it but again i'm playing it on a on a beautiful 4k tv so anything <laughs> with the best sound system boy. and everything with yeah, the yeah. best sound system again again the... with the flexing it's it's the balance the balance i flex about going to film festivals you flex about your home setup it's fine okay i've got my tv supports dobe vision and my sound system supports dobe atmos Damn, so, boy. Mm, try me i got a ps5 so that's mm. some thick ass sound boy uh, mm. <laughs> yeah that sounds great do you think there's another expansion coming or are they probably gonna move on i hope so i wish maybe one more but uh, if not i don't mind uh i enjoyed the game either way it's a it's a pretty perfect game however i did experience yeah. a glitch there is part way through the game where you get a temporary horse and i went right. to the expansion on that temporary horse and that horse only has you can't like put a saddle or change the saddle on it or anything and you get a new saddle mm -hmm. in the new in the new area and it kept glitching out and I was like, why the hell does this keep happening? And then I went, <laughs> I finished the expansion, went back to the main island. And then there was, it was like, hey, here's pick a horse. And that becomes your horse. And I'm like, oh, I see why it was glitching out the entire time. So <laughs> right. other than that, it was really great. That's been my week. Oh, that sounds pretty exciting. And I, and I started playing Half-Life Alex again because I have a VR headset. <laughs> I was so close to, I, I do have one, but I haven't set it up in my room here. I have it downstairs. And I saw that Half-Life was like, 35% off and yeah. I should have gotten it. I don't know if it's still on sale. I might, I should, might get we it. We should catch up virtually in VR. We should do a podcast in we, VR sometime. We should do a podcast. I think that would be a nice uh, like uh, milestone episode. We might do... Now, I think episode 100 might be too big. I'll think of something better for that one to do, but uh, we might do one in the future. That sounds pretty really fun. Episode 69, damn it, missed out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's another funny number coming up that we could do. Episode 420. We could do uh, 75, you know. 75 is also like a milestone. I like how funny that number is. <laughs> but all my grandparents died at that age, so that's Jesus. very funny. It's a bit dark. No, <laughs> they're fine. Most of them were like over 90 even, so long lives lived I, I really badly want to now say and in the 90s that's also where next movies metacritic score lies but i won't do that because we'll Ooh. get to taxi driver in a second i want to get to what i've been watching first and that is of course joe bell and sex education season three uh but let's start off with joe bell the story of oregian father who pays tribute to his gay teenage son Jaden, embarking on a self-reflective walk across america to speak to heartland citizens about the real and terrifying costs of bullying. So as pretentious as that logline reads, the movie also plays. Uh, although I don't think that Mark Warburg is the worst person in the world. He's definitely not one that I would put on the forefront of tackling bullying um, and stuff like that uh, to be someone who's like woke, which maybe was kind of a drive for this movie to even be made because maybe it doesn't fit the stereotype of an actor that would take on a role like this that was all about inclusion and maybe it tried to be more about the character piece. You know, you you got everything out of the logline, what this movie tries to be. It's supposed to be this journey that we as the audience and uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, Joe Bell, go on in a way to deal with the loss that he had and maybe figure out a solution to it or maybe figure out that maybe there is no solution and he just has to deal with it all interesting concepts that could be tackled if put into the right hands capable hands um which is just not the case <laughs> with joe bell uh it is a, a cringy weird 13 reasons why ask version of dealing with bullying homophobia and society it was just disappointing all around and yeah i don't have much else to say don't go see joe bell watch some other movie <laughs> it's a terrible review but no endorsement for uh joe bell that's now in cinemas i think and it just came out on vod uh moving on to something that i actually do quite enjoy and i would urge uh, everyone to go see it is really fun that's sex education 
um, a series that somehow manages to put the stereotypes of these typical teen uh, dramedy series on its head by having a really solid set of actors portraying the characters and a strong writing room as well uh, that, that knows how to write for these characters in a way that doesn't feel overly cheesy and again they, they do really stay away from those stereotypes I mean we do start out in season one with a lot of stereotypical characters like the gay black best friend uh, the shy guy the emo girl uh, the popular kids the jock and they evolve into so much more in a way that doesn't feel like we are just tackling the subject of the week and this week it is pronouns and like the way that i don't know 13 reasons why maybe again mentioning them twice in two reviews uh does that riot thing um and the police brutality or like is so disgusting in a way then which i didn't feel like it was for sex education because they really always put characters at the forefront uh we get a couple really strong storylines for season three uh, i don't want to spoil the first two seasons for people who haven't seen it because it's, this is more of an endorsement for the overall show for you to go see it if you haven't if you've seen season three already and you want to hear my thoughts uh, i might share some on the patreon um full-on spoilers i don't want to get into spoilers now but it's just a lot of strong uh, overall uh narratives in the season i thought that maves and otis storyline was a bit weaker uh the headmasters was also a bit of the weaker ones all of the other ones eric was great the two graphs phenomenal um ruby shining more in the forefront um again overall great season and it's even hard to say which one would be the best of this show because they kind of keep it on the same level of quality each time which is a great sign for a potential fourth season i know that netflix tries to cap off uh, its series at season three unless you're stranger things then somehow even though you didn't even need a second season we'll get like four or five uh anyways <laughs> i'll stop my ramble and um on patreon uh i will have reviews for the guilty the nowhere in bestsellers and everybody's talking about jamie those are all uh for new movies coming out I also saw Get Out recently in a cinema. That was fun. Um, I screened it just for me and my little brother. Uh, it was a great experience. Flex. Robin, <laughs> it is a flex again, right? <laughs> I, can, I can never watch anything at home again because then you're just going to outflex me. But I can flex you in the cinema. Yeah, good point. Uh, unless you have access to an IMAX cinema, then I'm just fucked. <laughs> then you're going to outscore me even there. Uh, but yeah, I also watched Robin Hood Man in Tights. So if you want any of those, you know, I have my weekly bonus show, I guess, just... For me with uh, extra stuff of what I've been watching. I've been called out for it already <laughs> because I put it in one of my letterbox reviews and someone said like, oh, dude, this guy is charging for his reviews now. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I guess, I guess, but it's like, I can't go on the main feed. It would just be too much. But for those of you who are really interested in everything new coming out that I'm trying to see, then uh, go support us on Patreon. You can just do, you can do that for just one buck a uh, month so pretty affordable i'd say but luckily uh let's move on to our roll that again film club movie for this week taxi driver from 1976 A mentally unstable Vietnam War veteran works as a night taxi driver in New York City where the perceived decadence and sleaze feed his urge for violent action, attempting to save a pre-adolescent prostitute in the process. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good-ass logline, I'd say. Uh, and For a good-ass movie, uh, I mean... Widely regarded as one of the classics of uh, American cinema. American cinema, yeah. It, it is uh, ranked uh, on spot 127 over on Letterboxd with a 4.2, on IMDb a 8.2, and on Metacritic as a 94. So, Lachlan, do, do you want to do a, a quick recap <laughs> of, of Taxi Driver? And this is going to be a spoiler review. Um, this movie has been out. For like 50 years, so if you haven't yeah. seen it already, go watch it, come back. But but yeah, uh, Lachlan, Taxi Driver. Uh, summarizing of Taxi Driver is um, in Gotham City, there's a <laughs> mentally troubled comedian called Arthur Fleck, and he's disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of a revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face to face with his old... Oh, wait, sorry. This is... Lachlan, we're talking about the remake. We're talking about the sorry, remake. Yeah, sorry, yes. Not about sorry, the original. Sorry. Your work. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, essentially, uh, Travis... Bickle. Bickle my fickle. <laughs> Travis, a very unfortunate man, goes on a very 
I mean, it's a great example. I mean, actually, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do the Joker thing, except I'm gonna change it to <laughs> Travis. That's a perfect example. In New York it's City, perfect, um, yeah. mentally troubled Vietnam veteran Travis Beckle is disregarded and mistreated by his cab patrons. He then embarks on a downward spiral to revolutionize New York City. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, the taxi driver. There you go. That's a good example. That's a good summary of it. Uh, it is crazy how close Joker was to taxi driver um, in the themes. And I think that's ultimately also, I guess that movie is also set in the 70s, Joker and, and this movie is as well. But I think there's a lot of themes that are still relevant nowadays as well. Uh, just kind of the take on loneliness as a whole and like how that can put you into a spiral of misogyny in seldom or as it now is more recently been uh, renamed and been uh, popularized as the Sigma Grindset, <laughs> the Sigma lifestyle. Do you know about? Do you know what that means? Have you heard that before? I've heard of it before. <laughs> it's like it, when I watched it, I, I I was laughing the whole time. Like, yeah, this is like the Sigma film if you think about it. Even more than like the typical film bro stuff, like Fight Club would yeah. be. <laughs> it's yeah. So much just that, and um. It's crazy to think that there are people out there who obviously maybe don't act on their urges as much as Travis does, but, you know, they have the same or similar mindset um, out there, which is terrifying, you know, that even 50 years later, uh, you know, we, we've, we've progressed in a way you know, with certain things, you know, with misogyny, but uh, but still a lot of stuff that uh, is, is still relevant to uh, nowadays. So that makes it such a pretty timeless um uh, movie timeless classic to me uh where do you stand on taxi driver as we said earlier this is a a, a masterpiece of american cinema and mm -hmm. it's storytelling goal is a is a story is a, oh, it's a movie maker's goal to make something like this that oh, yeah. stands as a timeless classic it's so enjoyable to watch but also it's so gut-wrenching to watch at the same time when you when you watch it you feel so many emotions of like you, you can mm -hmm. somehow relate to Travis, but also you don't want to relate to this guy. He's the, you know, this is the perfect example of an anti-hero. You don't want to like him, but you have to, you know, you you root for him because of the situation he's in. Did you root for him? I wasn't really, I've, I didn't find myself rooting for him a lot. Because like everything that he was doing was, I, I understood why he was going the way that he was going. And I was like hoping for him to get better. But at no point other than in, like in narrative sense, I didn't think he was like a, 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 a uh, anti-hero yeah. anyway. I mean, sure, maybe not rooting for him, but you definitely, you know, you, he's our protagonist, and yeah, yeah, we're following him. He's he's not the he's not the good guy. He's not he's he's not a good guy at all. Mm -hmm. You know, he tries to assassinate a politician. He you know well, attempts to. He's you know har harassing this woman, and you know he, he goes to a brothel. You know, there's a, there's nothing. Redeeming <laughs> nothing more him. despicable than going to a brothel. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> There's nothing redeeming about him throughout this film, and yeah. yet we are so attracted to a story like this. Funnily enough, because we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't such a classic. Um, yeah, it it it's also you know super interesting how it's portrayed, and and in the time of this, obviously this is this was made in the seventies. Like a, a film like this to be made is very difficult to do in a time like this. Obviously, like. Like, or like the 70s? obviously, yeah. I mean, the themes of this film. Well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of backlash that happened with this film. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, I guess, the portrayal of of violence in Scorsese flicks is like, usually got a lot of backlash. If yeah. we take, if we take Joker, right? Take Joker for example. When it came out, everyone was like, "Oh, this is a violent movie," right? Yeah. But it wasn't as mm. received as. Taxi Driver was. Taxi Driver was, everyone lost their mind. I mean, at least at uh, the uh, studio, they were like, no, no, you can't have this violent ending like this. Yeah. Or you can't have this downward spiral of this character like this. What I found find interesting about this is that nowadays, I can't think of a, a lot of films that play in the present and have like a really serious uh, take on stuff, you know, like, or betray the world in a really gritty realistic way and i mean this is set in the time that it was filmed in what what now happens is we either go back to another time or we go into the future a lot like the immediate thought that i go to when we talk about joker Joaquin phoenix is her um stuff like that and 
I don't know. Uh, I also think this movie wouldn't be the same or wouldn't even exist without Midnight Cowboy. I think that's that's also such a, a precedent. Uh, what's his name? John uh, Schleisinger, I think, with John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. He tries to be at one point, right, one of those uh, gigolos, a, a cowboy. That's where that kind of crosses over into the same territory at in the same time period as well. I mean, it's still super relevant to nowadays. What do you think about the logline kind of depicts the savior aspect of saving this um, teen girl out of the hands of prostitution? Yeah, what do you think about the vigilante side? Because like you talked about him being an anti-hero, that would lean more towards like his, you know? Obviously, that's his redemption. Now, first of all, it's very uncomfortable to think that Jodie Foster was 12 years old through this film. Was she 12 um, or 14? Uh, she was actually 12? Oh my God. I thought she, she was 12. Was yeah, at 12, 13, 14, doesn't matter. It's just, it's really young and it's Underage. Yeah, making us a, um, yeah, one of the One of the trivia things on IMDb says that her sister actually was a body double because she was 19 for particular scenes <laughs> that she right. couldn't do. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, Scott says he also drops the N-word uh, <laughs> in the movie. For some reason, he wrote himself in really Quentin Tarantino-like <laughs> just to drop the N-word. So leave. he actually didn't write <laughs> himself in. There was another actor who was meant to do it, but I'm pretty sure either pulled out or was injured. So he oh. ended up doing it himself. Oh, okay. um, so I, I Porsche found that Raider didn't really write that for him. <laughs> no, definitely okay. didn't. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, this vigilante side of things is, it, it, obviously this is the, the, the part where it's like, okay, yes, he's, you know, he's good in heart because he sees this young girl and wants to help her in this situation um, yeah. from this pimp. And but I, I think he, he would also just see her as as filth in a sense and like easy to save. So I don't think he would have like if, if someone wanted what what to do is just sex work and wanted to do it. I think yep. he would just always see himself as a, a better person. Like he ha he has that complex like the, somehow it, it got complex. Like I'd call it as well. Just uh, I think everyone who who the has white savior thinks, trope. White savior trope as well, yeah. I mean, he's not saving anyone who's um who's a POC, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess he's still a, a savior uh, on his wide. And um, I was I was thinking that at the end, that's why I put that in the show notes. Uh, obviously, at the end, he hallucinates to be on another date with the woman that he tried to get with that works for um Palantine. That's obviously not real. Uh, but I'm wondering how much of it is actually real, like that letter hallucination. You say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that as well. That to me, that is obviously not not what's what's really going on, and it's just like trying to because he's narrating throughout the story as well. So I don't think it's like I'm not pulling this out of thin air that uh, he might be changing the story up from what is presented, and that uh, maybe even like the way that he he saved that little girl. That's just what he has in mind of what would happen of what he had done. That he would now like there were a bunch of happy parents now that uh, he brought the, their kid back. And another indicator for me for this is that uh, they couldn't see him physically because he was in a coma. That's just like kind of a, an easy way out of like, oh, these characters aren't around. I don't know. I just had the vibe that like towards the end of this film, he, he he's just kind of done. And it, it's crazy to think that he shot up the whole place and then he's just free again. Mm. I, I see it as realistic. And I, I also think obviously he narrates. So it's from the perspective of an unreliable narrator because it's him. Yeah. This story that we follow, it might be glorified because it's his imagination, but I do think at the end that he, everything that happened, happened. And at the end, he is seen as that savior. And that's because obviously, as I said, I, I was rooting for him for some reason. So I want to see it as that actually happened. He became the good guy um, and life changed for him. Even yeah. if he almost did want to assassinate someone and harass someone, I hope yep. that it was all for the best and Jodie Foster is now at home safe. <laughs> all is good. All is good in America. Like always. All is good. Uh, maybe if, if, yeah, if you take it out, I, I do think that he like shot up the place and got her out. Like not, none of that part, I think was like the imaginatory part, just uh, parents sending that uh, letter to him, which is like, you know, kind of parallel or like similar to what he's doing when he's writing his parents and he's lying. So I wouldn't think it's that far away that he would kind of figuratively have a letter to the audience the influence to kind of change that up. But I also think that uh, if, if you look at it that way, that at the end of this story of we've gotten to know this character that is obviously like deeply flawed and has a lot of issues and needs help, doesn't get the help. And somehow he enacts violence onto other people 
but at the end of the day, he's still the hero, which is like obviously pointing at a deeply flawed system overall, if that's, you know, what's, what's going on. I, th I think Scorsese oftentimes gets accused of glorifying violence in a way, but I think he's he's judging it in uh, as well. You know, he's not just having violence for the sake of violence, for the sake of entertainment, but at the end... We don't, well, at least I thought like Travis Bickle is despicable and not someone I'm rooting for and I'm judging him for that uh, and he's not the good guy in my mind. And I think Scorsese and Paul Schrader, they do that wonderfully, uh, these deeply flawed characters. Um, ha wait, you see, you've seen First Reformed, right, from Paul Schrader? Oh, you haven't? Oh, it's a movie that you'd love. Uh, so <laughs> you gotta, I, I gotta the, wreck um, that to you at some it's point. It's the one with uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. Uh, it is It is amazing. I don't know, it's just, just some parallels in his writing to Taxi Driver as well. Uh, not not like our close connections, but just like the vibe that I'm getting is just, just this, this gritty, broken world. Yep. And uh, I guess our final shout out would go to uh, cin the cinematography, which I thought was, was really well done. Oh yeah, well really done. good. Stunning. Yeah, lots of great blocking and shots like through stuff that we are, we are seeing him kind of, you know, always, I, I like the meta-ness of us watching um, someone being watched or something like that. Watching cinemas is always an act of like looking at someone else and then looking at someone through something. Uh, yeah, it just, it just, you know, it's an inception loop <laughs> uh, and I enjoy it. Uh, so Lachlan, what did you give um, Taxi Driver as a rating? I gave it a, uh, <laughs> I gave it a four out of five. You're talking to me out of fives. <laughs> Right, we went on from butthole eyes <laughs> to are you talking to me <laughs> kind of thing. You talking to me? Yeah, you, you gave it a uh, four out of five caliber gun and I'm giving it a nine millimeter out of ten. So uh, yeah, that wraps it up for Taxi Driver. For the next two weeks, we'll look at Pan's Labyrinth in celebration of, well, Nightmare Alley being right around the corner. <laughs> that was corny. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll have a review in an upcoming show. We'll see because like the whole fall festival season is pretty hectic, but uh, we'll, we'll get to it uh, in one of the upcoming um, episodes. Let's get to our main review of the show. And that is for Cry Macho. <laughs> Mike Milo, a one-time rodeo star and washed-up horse breeder, takes a job from an ex-boss to bring the man's young son home from Mexico. All right. Uh, this is Clint Eastwood's latest film that is streaming um, on HBO Max right now and playing in theaters. So far, it has been received in a pretty mediocre way, I'd say, on uh, Letterboxd. It has a 3.1 on IMDb, a 6.1, and on Metacritic A59. Lachlan, what were your overall thoughts for Cry Macho? I did not cry. Uh, zero out of five. <laughs> <laughs> False advertisement. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, look, I, I, I enjoyed the story. It was cute. I, I enjoyed the... I enjoy seeing Clinton Eastwood on screen, the classic man he is, um, but I would like to see him go out with a bang. I want to see him... Because, you know, at any point in time, this man is, you know, he's, he's popping up. He's getting old. Um, I want to see. Yeah, he's ninety-one. One, I want to see him do one last hoorah, like one big epic, like Western epic, and that would be his legacy. That's what I'm excited. That's what I want. But th this right. is not it. This is like this is his. You know, I'm still young and hip, and I can do a movie kind of age. So <laughs> young and hip at ninety-one. You know, we're just you know we're just pumping through a couple of them. But no, yeah, uh, I thought the story was honestly the story was a bit dreadful. Yeah. The, the characters were quite um the, the moments were were actually quite enjoyable i'll say that the yeah. the little moments you have between each of the characters whether it be Clint Eastwood's character Mike and Raffo and maybe Mike and Marta or Raffo Raffo uh, Raffo and say the daughter or the, the granddaughter like yeah, the, the chicken. chicken strongest character like like honestly. all the, like there's a lot of moments there that are quite quite developed and cute yeah. but other than that there's like yeah it's pretty it's pretty much just tells you everything doesn't it? it i mean it starts off with that opening scene which is not a spoiler it's it's part of the washed up thing western western opening is such a western it it is like he shows up and goes in and sees that uh, boss that gives him um the job later on and he says like oh you are an alcoholic, a a drug addict, or, and whatever, like something like that. It's like, okay, thank you for the Before introduction the to this character. <laughs> After the accident, you haven't been the same. <laughs> I was like, okay, 
that was exposition, I guess. Um, and then we don't get something from that character again throughout the entire movie to me. Like, it is so empty of anything interesting. Maybe, like, you enjoyed the moments in between. I thought that the characters and the performances was, were so weak and the, the, the script as well that I was just not interested in anything that was going on on the screen. Uh, screen. So I was super disappointed. I, I didn't have high hopes for this. I wasn't anticipating it or anything. They also just kind of dropped this. Uh, I can't remember if I've ever seen any promotional material for this. I think it would also be hard to sell because, you know, for a Western, you either do a lot of action or you go super into the characters and maybe how despicable, like the anti-hero kind of characteristics. Or you do both. Mm -hmm. You can also do both. Mm. That's called the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, no, not the good, the bad and the ugly. Also, the Once Upon a Time in the West. Also a great example for that. But yeah, I, I didn't get anything out of this and I... I didn't really have have a good time um, with it. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like talking about a movie that much. Usually, for our main review, we'd like, uh, we at least like a bit of about the movie. With this one, I was just like, you know, I, I can see why you enjoy this. Uh, it has some nice shots. Again, nice moments, but nothing that, that sticks with me after I've seen it. Yeah, Lachlan, anything else? Maybe the themes um, of the film. Uh, what did you pick up on? What was something that stood out? To you as like a recurring thing. Uh, clean, uh, uh, care about animals and the environment. Chickens are badass. Chickens are badass. Ch ch <laughs> if your actor gets too old, just get a wrangler and an animal and just have them do all the work. How old do you think they are pretending he is in this movie? Because they're not pretending he's 91. Do you think he's older in this or younger? No, I reckon they're making him seem like he's 70 or something, but he he moves like it's well, a... The thing is, Clint Eastwood has been interested in doing, because this is uh, a novel uh, originally, and he's been interested in doing this for like the past 30 years, and he, he's never had it like out of his vision that he would do this later on, but when he was like 60, he thought he was too young, uh, oh, so he's doing it now. So yeah, it is supposed to be him being really old. Yeah. <laughs> what I found funny... Is uh, I guess I guess let's move into spoilers okay. again. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't think there's much to spoil in, in this movie. So even if you haven't seen it, maybe you know don't uh, skip forward. I don't think we have much to spoil. But <laughs> yeah, why is every woman in this movie horny for Clint Eastwood? Because <laughs> it's Clint Eastwood, baby. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I mean, every uh, man, woman, and ch not child. Every man, woman, and goat in this movie are just turned on for. Uh, Clint Eastwood. He is goaded, so it does make sense. The cop as well. Except that border border officer, he was quite turned off. Yeah. I was quite mad that those girls never appeared later on in the movie. Oh, like, right. I was hoping they'd be like a <laughs> drug trafficker or something. <laughs> they would just pull ahead of them like <laughs> no, they would like come up to the border and it would be them again. <laughs> and it would like be the suspenseful moment where they don't know, oh no, what's happening? Are they catching us? Are they mm. the mum that uh, sent those guys? But then you go up front and just pull those girls out and they're drug mules. Wasn't well, the last movie that Clint Eastwood did called The Mule? I haven't seen yeah. that one. Yeah, like he drug traffics. Yeah. yeah. I went in expecting Sicario and I got I got Sicario 2. Which <laughs> isn't, that isn't as good. <laughs> That's a callback. It's <laughs> a callback. I yeah. ended up getting uh, a slow burn, yeah. which, you know, okay. A slow sure, burn is fine. I, there's you really know, not a lot to speak about this movie because no. honestly, I, it, it really did not keep my attention. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like skipping around or anything. I wasn't turning it off, but it was not really grabbing me into the characters. And, you know, not, not to uh, <laughs> talk shit on, on, a, on a child or a teen actor, but <laughs> Eduardo Minute as Rafa was just, I, I, I wasn't sold on his character like for a single second. And maybe like it's not all his fault because I think the script didn't give him much to work with. A lot of his lines are pretty dumb. <laughs> What's funny is I, I looked up, I was like, oh, did Clint Eastwood write this? So, and uh, I mean, one of the credited um, screenwriters from this literally made movies in the 50s. I don't know if that's the actual guy who wrote the novel, uh, N. Richard Nash. But yeah, I mean, the other credited film um, writer is uh, Nick Schenk, who did The Mule, The Judge and Gran Torino. So I assume that probably Richard Nash is the one who wrote the novel, but he has a bunch of movies like from the 50s. So I was like, this movie also feels like it is written and told from um, someone with a really like old perspective on things. And uh, it didn't bring much uh, new to the table uh, at all. Uh, but the badass of this film was for once not Clint Eastwood, but the chicken. I, I, I don't know what else there is to say about this film. So Lachlan, do we just want to get to the ratings? <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, all right. Okay, so I arrived at a, a 2 out of 5 or a 4 out of 10 for this film. And uh, Lachlan, what about you? A 2 cockfights out of 5. <laughs> 2 cocks out of 5. <laughs> if you're into westerns, I think there's a, a lot of great alternatives. But I'm not completely against uh, the perspective of someone who's like really old, has nothing to live for, and is just kind of sad. And then he has this mission to save this kid but i don't think they had a lot of chemistry i think i didn't say that before but they they, they would have needed a bit of chemistry and uh it just wasn't there so it needed a bit of chemistry a bit of chemistry yeah but all they had is biology with the chicken yep. that wraps it up for uh today's show next week we'll see if there'll even be an episode uh we'll see if we end up doing an episode if i can make the time in between watching films at the zurich film festival uh we'll probably take a look at a dear evan hansen and Maybe have a early sneak peek at The Power of the Dog. I'll see that movie the day before. We usually record episodes, so we might have a review for that as well. In the meantime, don't forget to drop those five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Also, follow the podcast for more episodes every week. You can also join our Discord. Uh, we do a monthly film raffle over there. A bi-weekly Roll It Again film club is held and announced on that server. You can also join our Patreon for just one buck a month. You'll become a personal assistant to the podcast <laughs> and you get access to those weekly bonus reviews and the monthly drunk cast show uh, as well as uh, maybe commentaries on higher tiers we also got show notes There's heaps of stuff so go check it out uh, we really appreciate the support on twitter you can find us at set underscore quiet on instagram quiet on set podcast and on tiktok now <laughs> also quiet on set podcast wow we're also on letterboxd uh you can find that's going to be in uh shout outs at the end of every episode now because i'm working on so many clips at the moment uh that hopefully will pop off on tiktok we got to get into that audience over there <laughs> but uh, if you want to follow all of our personal socials they are linked below in the show notes as well if, if you want my early thoughts on some of the films that are premiering at some of the film festivals, I'll do those mini reviews over on Twitter. So give me a follow <laughs> over there, please. <laughs> I need more. May I have some more, sir? But uh, yeah, luckily, is there anything else uh, you'd want to add to this week's show? Uh, Look at all those chickens. <laughs> uh, I think I really caught you off guard with that time travel question. <laughs> mm. <laughs> You're still thinking about mm. everything. The meaning of life. Why? What is it? When? Who? Where? Why? That is the question. Also, how much did Addison Ray get for the Netflix? Yeah, who the fuck is Addison Ray? Yeah, who the fuck <laughs> who the is fuck Addison Ray? Ray? <laughs> that should be the episode title. That should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you just clip that? You can just have that as the end thing. Who the fuck is Addison Ray? Who the fuck is Addison Ray? <laughs> now let's do some TikTok dances. <laughs> All right, see you next week. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm going to stop the recording. <laughs>